We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Happy Friday, Chiefs Kingdom. It's almost here, the weekend. Thanks for hanging out today. I'm BJ Kissel, former Chiefs insider and sideline reporter. Now I'm working with some phenomenal content creators here at KC Sports Network, trying to build a new outlet for Kansas City sports fans. So we appreciate you for stopping by and spending part of your day with us. This is KCSN Update. This is our daily Chiefs show and podcast here at KCSN, and it's Friday. So we'll soon be joined by Pro Football Focus's Trevor Sykema. But first, a word from our friends at DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. They have the best app when it comes to the finding the plays that you're looking for. Talked about it before. I love the anytime scores. Always feel like you got a shot. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. And check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. This Sunday, Chiefs one and a half point favorites on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals with an over under of 52 and a half. Definitely going to ask Trevor about this one. Somebody who lives in that city got to figure out what Bengals fans are thinking right now about this one. But download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, let's welcome on Trevor to the show. Trevor, you, you're in Cincinnati. You're in enemy territory where the Chiefs will be traveling on Saturday. Can you give us the vibe of what's been going down? A little bit of trash talk on social media. We've been talking about a little bit. Uh, what's the vibe in Cincy right now before this game on Sunday? Healthy trash talk, right? I mean, hopefully. Uh, We know that that's probably not the case with all of it, but this is a major match, right? Pro Football Focus is headquarters right here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and so we've had a good finger on the pulse with the Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, Chris Collinsworth, who's a major part of PFF, Mm -hmm. played for the Cincinnati Bengals, so that's where the connection comes from there. Uh, Fans are flying high, man. Fans are absolutely flying high. I think that 
the vibes were all over the place when Jamar Chase went down with the injury, when they were like, okay, well, we don't exactly yeah. know how long Jamar Chase is going to be out. We don't know exactly what the team is going to look like without him. And it just feels like they didn't even miss a beat. It felt like that defense stepped up even more. They were up to the challenge and they said, Hey, we well, got to step up, make sure the other team isn't scoring nearly as many points. And then Holy cow, T Higgins solidified himself as a number one wide receiver in this league who just happens to be playing wide receiver too, because they have Jamar Chase. So I think the vibes are high, man. A lot of confident Bengals fans around Cincinnati. This is going to be a fun one, of course, because of how incredible this game was at the end of last year and then the playoffs as well. Based on the fact that that since he did win both those games last year and then week 17 and then obviously in the playoff game, are you surprised at the line that the Chiefs are favored on the road when you saw that or heard that or saw that line? Did it surprise you at all? No, it really didn't because, you know, when I look at this game, I'm going to be picking the Chiefs in this one, and it's it's not just because I'm here on a Chiefs podcast. It's because <laughs> I, I don't know how you beat Patrick Mahomes three times in a row. Like, of all of the incredible stats that he and the Chiefs have accumulated over the last four or five years, however long he's been a starter, it, it just for him to lose three times in a row in the span of – a year to the same team, it would just be crazy to me. Now I understand that everything starts back at zero zero. So it's not like those old matches go into this one, but as if the Bengals may have not gotten the chiefs best either at the end of last year, because it felt like for the first, I don't know, half of the first half of the game when they were back in Cincinnati, felt like the chiefs were kind of coasting a little bit. They were like, ah, we're going to beat the Bengals. And then, you know, it just kind of caught up to them at the end. They just couldn't go blow for blow with them and shoot. They almost did win at the end. Right. So they even almost had that. And then the playoffs as well. I don't think anybody really took the Bengals as seriously as they needed to in the playoffs. This wasn't just a chiefs thing. This really wasn't everybody thing as the Bengals were making their march and, how well they were playing. I don't think a lot of these teams realized how high the Bengals ceiling was when they were making that playoff run this year. There's no underestimating this team. Like the the Bengals are going to get the chiefs best. And anytime that's the case, I can't just sit here and say, Mahomes is going to be the MVP. Travis Kelsey is one of the best X factors in the NFL. The defense is playing. So I can't say all these things. And then also say, well, if you're going to get the chiefs best, I think this team's going to win. It's going to be a, True clash of the Titans here with these two NFC teams. A um, lot of animosity, a lot of revenge, <laughs> and a lot of uh, high aspirations for where these teams want to be at the end of the year. They know they have to go through each other here, but uh, I, I wasn't too surprised to see Kansas City just because of the fact that I think they're going to get the best of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think Vegas knows that too. Yeah. Before we get into your three key matchups and all the stats, which I absolutely love, especially in this game, because so many things have changed. We've been talking about it all year. Uh, and again, we'll get more into it, but just the the chess match of how are they going to play this Chiefs group of receivers? They had success. I mean, we saw arguably Patrick Holmes' worst half of football in the second half of that playoff game and what the Bengals did defensively against him. How are the Chiefs going to kind of, or how are the Bengals going to kind of attack that? But I want to get back to the juicy stuff that we've been hearing, that we've been seeing on social media, the perceived, at first I thought it was a perceived slight from Justin Reed because he was actually talking about Hayden Hurst and the reporter thought he was talking about T Higgins and things got kind of screwed up, but then he doubled down when it went out on social media. It was like, I don't care who it is. I'm going to lock him down. And then Jamar Chase got involved uh, with the tweets. But when you see stuff like this, you've been around players, you talk to players and I've, I've got my thoughts on this, but like, does it do anything on the field to change what's happening? Or when you see this kind of trash talk on social media leading up, is it just kind of more fun for fans? to kind of follow and kind of get into this and have something to talk about going into the game. I mean, I think it does become something that's more funds for, 
for fans. I think that fans kind of give it a life of its own, maybe when it shouldn't. Because at the end of the day, right, Justin Reed is saying what he is saying, and Jamar Chase is saying what he's saying. Yeah, those two get to go out and play the game against each other, right? Like those those two actually get to settle it, whereas a lot of fans will kind of start piggybacking on it. And for as much as, of course, we as fans love to think that we're part of the community, we're part of the team, we're part of the fan base, like it's a big family, all this stuff. You're not playing the game, right? You're not going one on one against Jamar Chase. You're not. You're just going one on one against Justin Reed. So you just gaslight him a little bit. It's just like, hey, do you see what he said? Like he's calling <laughs> right, you out. Right, right. And then they ask the player, "Is like, do you think you're going to lock him down?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like I'm going to lock him down. It's like, oh, he thinks he's going to lock me down. Every player in the NFL, ask any DB in the right. NFL. They're going to be like, I'm the number one DB. Like I'm going to shut that guy down. They don't care who they're going up against. That's how they talk. So. I think it's going to be more fun. There's probably going to be some chippiness, a little bit of talking back and forth, but I don't think guys are going to go play harder or do anything no. differently. No. Now, maybe you could make the argument like Hayden Hurst got a play call where he's got to get to the next level and he sees Justin Reed coming. Could it be in the back of his mind that he called him soft? Because that was the only thing that really kind of, in my opinion, kind of crossed the lines a little bit where he was like, yeah, he's kind of soft. I was like, ooh, don't call any player in the league soft. That part I do think has some truth to it. Like, uh, you've played sports before. I've played sports yeah. before. Everybody's played sports before. And even though, you know, we didn't make it to the NFL level as athletes, we've all, no matter what level of competition we've played sports, if there's a guy or girl on the other team who's really running their mouth or who is playing just really arrogantly guess what when you make a play on them you are going to feel better that is part of that you know unmeasurable part of sports that i absolutely think exists and is real so where i think the fans take it further than probably it needs to there's no doubt about it and we've seen it many times before athletes when you single somebody out especially them play with a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder and in this game, as if you weren't going to get the best of both of these teams before all of this smack talk. Now, I don't think no. uh, I don't think anybody's going to be kicking back and chilling from this one. It's going to be great from the jump. And it's going to be great on social media because any play in which where Hayden Hurst or Justin Reed or any of these guys get anywhere near each other on the field, whoever gets the best of them, it's not going to matter what they wait until after the game to say, because it will be two hours of social media just creating the narratives of what it is uh, before the players are asked about it after the game. But you're exactly right. These The way these guys get fired up, and I've talked with Nick Lecky, my co-host for Outside the Trenches, about this for years. Now, NFL players are as good, or professional athletes in general are – so good mentally at finding we call them finding like chips finding like Mm -hmm. doubters or reasons to get fired up in those like tough moments and you make it easy with things like this but it doesn't always even need to be easy these guys will find perceived slights wherever they can to go out and get fired up right and it's what's the step between the lines it's different I was going to say, we've talked about this a little bit with Mahomes because you've talked about it, how like Mahomes will find this as if you could barely Mm. (laughs) criticize Mahomes at this point. Anyway, he'll find like the smallest thing and turn into motivation. It's like the Tom Brady stuff that we saw when um, it wasn't a documentary. It was that show that came out and he was telling that behind the scenes story of the one team that wasn't pursuing him as much as he thought they were. And Tom Uh, Brady in his head spun it and was like, that means you're choosing that guy over me. I know what mm -hmm. that means. And he's just going to like take it as motivation. And it's like, okay, well, it's probably not that. But if you want to take it that way and make motivation out of it, that that part certainly exists within athletes. 
I'm here for it too. I mean, two favorite athletes. I mean, Michael Jordan, like his Hall of Fame speech calling out Byron Russell. Like he still didn't let it go. Like to this day, he would he wouldn't let it go. And he was talking about some a perceived slight. And Byron Russell's like, I didn't do anything that you're saying I did. And he remembers it completely differently. And then Kobe. Like I was a big Kobe fan. He wasn't right. trying to be friends with everybody. Like he was just built differently. Uh, the way that he attacked everything. And, you know, I, my, I take it to my old man baseball league, Trevor. I'm very easy going, like, cool, like, hey, look, we're all going to go out there and compete. You put me on a mound, even to this day, like my old ass, like out on a mound playing baseball, like it all comes back. And I feel course. like I'm the baddest man on the planet throwing like 74 miles an hour. It was like, don't mess with me when I'm out here. I'm a different person. Uh, and when these guys are are built the way they are, like it's 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 fun to be down there. It's special, but when you see this stuff on social media, it's just like it's more fun. I think for fans, although mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure if they get near, I'm sure if Hayden Hurst gets near Justin Reed and, and makes a block, he's gonna let him know about it. Yeah, well, he, and you don't sense. look. You never want these things to get disrespectful, but there's no doubt about it that like this is part of the fun in sports. The competitive juices, oh, yeah. the I'm better than you, the truly proving who's going to be on top in the end. Like that, that all goes into it. You don't want it to go too far, but uh, I do think that this is something that makes some of the best games even better when you have something a little bit personal, not disrespectful, but a little bit personal that goes into it. You start seeing the best of these best. I always wish players were a little more honest about like, what do you think about other guys in the league? Cause you guys know way like that guy's trash. Like that guy's not that good. I'm like, say it, say what you mean. Let's get this, let's get some juicy stuff out there. But anyway, let's get into this matchup on Sunday between the chiefs and Bengals and some of the key matchups. And uh, speaking of, you know, baddest man on the planet, if you ask chiefs fans who the best receivers are in the league because of the way they played against them, Mike Williams would be in the top three for the yeah. chargers. And what we've seen from Jamar Chase in the games against the Chiefs, I mean, that regular season game last year, 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. I've been talking about it all week. Anybody ask me about this game, I don't start with Mahomes. I don't start with anybody else. I start with those guys, those two guys that you mentioned off the top on the outside. And it just so happens that they're your first key matchup as well going into this one. So what stands out about that matchup to you? I mean, it's got to start with Jamar. I know that you guys at at, uh, at the network have, have talked about this ad nauseum all week, I'm sure. But, I mean, this is this has to be the number one point because of how game-changing Jamar Chase is as a player. Last two games, not just the monster one in the regular season, but last two games combined, 17 catches, 320 yards, four touchdowns, and a wide receiver usage of almost 26%. So that, in our in our database, basically says, what percent are you getting targeted her receiving route that you go run and Jamar chase mm-hmm. is getting targeted almost well, a little bit more than one out of every four times that he <laughs> is running a route for a team and a quarterback specifically that loves to spread things out and get as many options on the field as possible for him to target somebody at that rate is pretty incredible. It, it just shows the trust that they have and how he continues to go back to Jamar chase and that well there, the way that that man catches through contact is just silly and it really is the you know i know we, we all heard the quote because joe burrow said it at the podium not too long ago where he's just like yeah sometimes I just get back and i go well f it jamar's down there somewhere <laughs> and that really is how it is sometimes because jamar chase he's got kind of this sneaky speed to him he's not like this mm-hmm. tyree kill kind of guy where he puts one foot in the ground and you physically see the like explosiveness or the change of direction and the quick twitch. He's kind of like a more of a buildup speed player, mm-hmm. but the buildup time is so low. I, I've, I've just seen few wide receivers like it. And because of that, 
Jamar Chase is often asked to have a lot of contested catches. Yes, he gets separation a lot with yards after the catch. He's one of the best in the NFL at that. But he goes up and gets it above some of these other cornerbacks, uh, about as good as anybody can in the NFL. So, um, in fact, the Chiefs are kind of facing, uh, I'll say, like the worst of both worlds. Because if you go back to Jamar Chase's last two games that he played, it was in week six and week seven of this season. Seven catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns in week six. Eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns in week seven. Now, if you go to T. Higgins, the last two games that T. Higgins has played, obviously the last two weeks of the season, he has also had more than 100 yards in each of those two games. So it's almost like they're getting the best of Jamar Chase if he continue, if he can hmm. pick up where he left off, and the best of T. Higgins, which is really going to demand a ton, of course, of Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie. This is a massive Trent McDuffie test. I know we've said it before when you and I have chatted earlier this season, but it's another one that I'm really yep. looking forward to, right? Legereus Sneed, he's the bigger, he's the taller, he's the lankier cornerback. So for as much as you might want him on Jamar Chase, do you want him on T Higgins instead? Because Higgins is that bigger, taller sideline contested catch, kind of a wide receiver. Whereas McDuffie shorter, better short area quickness, better agility can probably stick in the hip pocket a little bit more. If people are changing directions, things like that. And both of these guys have been playing really well last four games of luxurious need. And I don't really, I know I'm not probably breaking any news to anybody, but he's been playing so well weeks, yeah. nine, 10, 11, and 12 coverage grades, elite 92.7 grade against the Titans in week nine. 56, 51.6 grade against the Jags in week 10. Okay, that wasn't his best game. But then he bounced back really yeah. well against the Chargers, 84.3 coverage grade. And then against the Rams last week, again, another elite performance in a 93.1 coverage grade. McDuffie's been playing really well as well. So that has to be where your eyes go to when you look at the X factors of this game. It's those top two wide receivers for the Chiefs versus the top two corners and cover players for the, or sorry, for the Bengals and then the top two cover corner guys for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's those are good stuff. And one of the things that we've been talking about because, you know, it was 
Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, Trent McDuffie, and Legereus Need, but those three rookies, this is going to be their biggest test. We've said that going up against the Bills, going against Devontae Adams, going against Mike Williams. We've said it almost every week because every week's every other week at least there's a dude on the outside that you have to contest uh, or that you have to worry about. And it's funny you bring up Legereus Need. Christian Kirk kind of made a lot of us in Kansas City kind of eat our words and we were talking about contracts and how much guys were getting paid and at their wide receiver position. And then Christian Kirk went out and had a really good game against one of our best corners, or if not uh, the Chiefs' best corner and um, Legereus Sneed. But, you know, the the storyline has kind of devolved. And I'm, I know I'm leading you into your next matchup here because, you know, we talk about the big plays down the field and those 50 mm-hmm. 50 balls for T. Higgins and those big plays down the field for Jamar Chase. And I don't know who the best player comparison. I'll let people love player comparisons to try to get an idea of Jamar chase. And I've thought about this before too, because he's when you watch him on film, like he's not the fastest dude in the world, but if he catches a ball and there's not a a guy breaking down on him within three or four yards, he's running away from those guys. And the only player I can remember, this is probably a horrible comparison. You'll probably be much better at this and not the 50, 50 balls down the field. But the only player I remember making similar type plays was Jordy Nelson. And that's, because I grew up watching him at K-State. We went to school together and watched him in Green Bay, that he still had that kind of speed where Jordan Nelson was fat. Like Jamar Chase is a phenomenal athlete, but he just makes it look like he's not running real fast, but yet nobody's catching up to him. He makes those plays. But Chiefs fans have been talking all week about the 50-50 balls outside the numbers and those big plays down the field. Well, outside of the young corners being physical and making those plays, the other thing that comes into play with those is having the time to let those plays develop up front. And the Chiefs defensive front getting pressure and making the ball come out a little bit sooner or getting off timing a little bit to try to give the defensive backs time to get their head around at the top of a route and things like that. So what are you expecting and what is your key matchup as far as the Bengals offensive line, the Chiefs defensive front in order? Hopefully the Chiefs in those big third down moments can make him at least get off his spot a little bit or, you know, affect the play in some kind of way. I don't know if this is a total wide receiver comp, but just while you were talking about Jamar Chase, I was thinking about it for a second. I was like, who's he remind me of? And I I won't totally plant my flag on this, but the first guy I thought about is actually Steve Smith from the Panthers. Just like attitude wise, mentality wise, Jamar is a little bit bigger. He's a little bit thicker. He's a little bit stronger, but like those two dudes just played with so much ferocity focus and, and uh, I I would say pride to their game. And for me, it was just the simple, like he catches like a, you know, some sort of in-breaking route and then he's gone. And, and he's the only, gone. Play, right. and that was what Jordy was. Cause it, with like Tyreek and those guys, it's just like, yeah, he's the fastest player. He looks like the fastest player in the world. But with Jamari just runs away from dudes and it doesn't look like he's running that fast, but nobody's <laughs> right. catching up to him. And right. I saw that with Jordy all the time. That's true. Uh, it's not no, a player comparison true. for K-State fans listening. But it's very true. No, the, the, the attribute is definitely there. So, okay. Second point, second big point for this game. It, it, it is, it's going to have to come down to the chiefs defensive line with the Bengals offense. And I think that's probably your best defense against these wide receivers. And um, you know, Joe Burrow cannot complete a pass if he's on the ground. Right. And I think that uh, that's what teams have really been going after with the Bengals offensive line. And for as much as they try to make a lot of changes, you know, added a couple of good free agents They added Alex Kappa, they added Karras, they had uh, added um, Lyle Collins as well. Like they had mm-hmm. these guys in here. They were hoping that we were going to get a full year. Jonah Williams, they thought it was going to be very different. It's not really better at the tackle spots. And that was something that they really wanted to get better at. They wanted Jonah Williams to take that next leap. They were hoping Lyle Collins, who played well in reserve in Dallas over the last couple of years, would be able to do that. And it's just not been the case. I mean, when you look at 
those two as a duo. Only three teams in the NFL have a tackle duo where both players are graded in the bottom 12 in the league in overall PFF grade. It's the Titans, it's the Steelers, and it is the Cincinnati Bengals with Jonah Williams and Lyle Collins. So both of those guys really struggling. And another thing that we've talked about here on this show, how you utilize Chris Jones as an edge defender, I think could be huge in this game. I went over it a couple of weeks ago when I looked at his stats, just rushing from the edge spot, Chris Jones updated it here for this show, still an elite 90.2 pass rush grade when he's lined up as an edge player. He's got six sacks. Almost all of them have come on third down anyway, so they're very advantageous in that regard. Over 20% pass rush win rate as an edge rusher, which is fantastic. I did the math, and he averages about 13 snaps per game as an edge player. Most reps at edge in a single game was actually that Jaguars game. And there are a couple of factors that go into that, but one of them is the fact that the Jags' offensive tackles were susceptible to get beat. And I think that they recognize yeah. that as a potential weakness on their offensive line and a mismatch that they could really have. So, you know, the best way to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense is to get Burrow on the ground, right? The Los Angeles Rams found that out and they were able to execute that well in the Super Bowl, ultimately leading to their victory. We saw as the final play of the game where Aaron Donald just gets straight after him. And hey, there's no Joe Burrow magic to be had because he was on the ground, right? He wasn't doing anything. I think that that's got to be the Chiefs' strategy as well. For as long as the play is alive, Joe Burrow can make magic happen. And so they've got to get after him and they got to get him on the ground. And I think the way that you do that is you attack the edges. So whether it's Chris Jones as an edge defender, whether it's um, nickel corner blitzes, whether it's, you know, if you're bringing a safety down, you're probably not going to bring them over the a gap. You're probably going to bring them off of the edge, things like that. You're really going to want to put a lot of pressure on those offensive tackles instead. So uh, as bags kind of dials up these different kinds of blitzes throughout the game, look mm-hmm. for the blitzes to be built around attacking those offensive tackles and putting them in conflict with maybe guarding two guys in a zone or just a mismatch. They're not looking for with either strength or speed. So that's kind of my second point here. That's really good stuff. I know in talking throughout the week about this game and, and it, what you said about the best way to, you know, defend the pass is have a quarterback on his back reminds me because Derek Johnson, uh, Chiefs all-time leading tackler, legendary inside linebacker here in mm-hmm. Kansas City uh, and across the NFL. Everybody knows who Derek Johnson is. Uh, he does a defensive breakdown with us every week and uh, Craig Stout and Mike DeVito do that show with him. And earlier this year, they were talking about the Chiefs pass defense. And it was funny to hear a defensive player that's been in coverage talking about all the defense. He's like, you know, the best way to cover the pass, have the quarterback on his back. <laughs> like, Besides <laughs> that, everything's go. everything is going against uh, defensive players and pass coverage nowadays with all the rules and everything else. He's like, just put the quarterback on his back and be done with it. Um but it's interesting you talk about Chris Jones as an edge because obviously we talked, you and I have talked about that. Uh, but going into this matchup specifically, one of the conversations I was having, one of the points that Brett Coleman was making about Jonah Williams specifically is he how susceptible he is. He's a guy that you can bull rush a little bit. So those speed mm-hmm. to power moves are something that when he's getting beat, it's the speed to power stuff. So I liken that to, well, this is George Karloftis's sweet spot. Like that's what he could be yeah. about. Now, selfishly, I need George Karloftis to average about one and a half sacks over the final six. So my prediction of him breaking Derek Thomas's rookie sack record can kind of get threatened a little bit. Uh, he's been playing well. You've got the numbers, you've got the pressures and how he ranks. I'm, I'm curious. I know it's probably not an easy thing for you to look up, but I know at one point a few weeks ago, like he was leading all rookie edge rushers and pressures at one point. He's up there with like Hutch Instant. I'm not sure where that that falls, but I think it's important for Chiefs fans to know when they look at sacks and anything's at one and a half sacks so far this year that he might not be getting the sacks, but his production, he's on the field, he's disrupting and affecting plays. Uh, still, still getting it done out there. But 
know, my point was this could be a good opportunity for George Karloftis with, you know, his skill set kind of fitting that speed to power type move uh, against Jonah Williams. But getting Tris- Chris Jones out on the edge there uh, makes a lot of sense as well. Now, Karloftis I, has 30 total pressures, which is second okay. in the NFL amongst rookies behind only Aiden Hutchinson, who has 33. Okay. So he's still, so he's getting, still getting it done. No, he's getting no, good pressures. This, he's how many sacks does Aiden Hutchinson have? Five and a half. Yeah. He's got five. Need to get, see, George. all George Karloftis, is he just needs that, like, that four-sack game to get right back on pace. <laughs> Um, yeah, just, just get, a casual four sack just game. Maybe four, maybe three and a half. If we're not being greedy here, like just just take care of business maybe, there at the late. Fall on a dude and get five. You know, I wouldn't say no to that. You know, why not? <laughs> there was a play last week uh, after he got his first one that uh, Bryce Perkins was like running around and he got he should have gotten sacked by one of like nine different Chiefs defenders. I think um, Brian Cook. I think ended up getting credit for the sack because he was just the last guy to kind of just push him out of bounds because it was up on the sideline. But the whole time that play was going on, I was just staring for fifty six. I was like, "Get that sack! Just be the last one to touch him. Just get that trash like he trips and just go touch him. Like I need fifty six to get that sack uh, to get back on. What's the rookie? Ten and a half. Oh boy! So with seventeen games, like, and my point. I will stand by like I was high on him that he was going to step in and make an impact. And he has absolutely done yeah. that. And I thought there would be more of those, you know, spags, blitzes, quarterback kind of scrambles around and his relentlessness, um, his improved athleticism and all those like nonstop motor. I thought it would just lead to a lot of, you know, second, third breakdown type sacks. And he's got good spatial awareness uh, when a quarterback's leaving the pocket. We saw that, you know, from him in college and a little bit earlier in the year, I thought he'd get a lot more of those, not necessarily just beating a guy straight and just, Micah Parsons in it where right. <laughs> he just lead, like run over a dude to make a play. But I thought you get a lot more of those like quarterback steps up, tries to scramble and he gets them down uh, type sacks, but there's still time Trevor. There there's still, still plenty of season left. Uh, like I said, just needs to average one and a half and he gets that big four sack game against somebody. We'll be right back on track and I will be loud on it. So that's why I keep owning that. Uh, I was beating that drum for him getting that record, but let's move to the other side of the ball. For your third and final matchup, we have not yet talked about Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs offense. So what is the the matchup on that side of the ball against the Bengals defense that you're looking forward to watching? Red zone offense. Again, not to be too cliche um, as a coach here, but it, it is a big matchup here converting seven instead of three um, with this game that we know is going to be back and forth. We know it's going to be tight. We know it's good defense. We know it's good offenses, but specifically against the Bengals. Okay. The Kansas city chiefs are currently sixth in the NFL at red zone offense, which is converting. It's just touchdowns. So just converting those red zone opportunities into touchdowns. They're six in the NFL at a 65.31% clip. The Tennessee Titans last week entered the game, the number two red zone offense in the NFL at 74.5%. And the Cincinnati Bengals in three tries limited them to just three field goals, no touchdowns. And they only converted on one of those field goal or on two of those field goal attempts. So Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, he has done an unbelievable job at looking at what other teams do well and saying, we're going to stop you at 
that, whether it was stopping Derrick Henry, whether it's stopping the pass in previous weeks, or whether it's clamping down on red zone offense, things of that nature, the bread and butter of teams. Go ahead. Yeah. Real quick, I want to play this because we talked about uh, red zone. I got this clip that I used earlier in the week, but uh, after the game against, uh, got through the Chiefs game last week against the Rams, Andy Reid was asked about the Chiefs going one of six inside the red zone, which is very uncharacteristic. Here's what Coach mm-hmm. Reid said. Yeah, um, there is, but I'm not going to tell you because we got to play Cincinnati, you know, coming up here. Yes, there were things. Yes, there were problems. Yes, we know what the problems were. No, we're not going to tell you. We've got a big game coming up. That was like the first question he was asked in the postgame presser. And he knows too, obviously, like every head coach wants to convert in the red zone, but specifically against Cincinnati, this is a team, their red zone defense has been incredibly good, especially as of late. You know, they stopped one of the best red zone offense in the NFL. They stopped them cold, not a single touchdown, 0% last week. So look, Nobody's better in the red zone than Andy Reid. I don't care what the percentages say of like, oh, the Chiefs aren't number one. You know, they're top five, they're top ten. Nobody in the red zone is better than Andy Reid. And I I truly think that he has got things up his sleeve. You know, he smirked when he said, yeah, we're not going to tell you because we're playing Cincinnati. (laughs) I think that that was just as much a we know how good Cincinnati is in the red zone as much as it was like a duh, we're not going to give you guys our, you know, how to fix plays in the, in the red area. Cause everybody loves to score in that area as well. So um, I just think that's gotta be an X factor of the game, given how successful the Bengals have been at taking that away from teams who really lean on it. Um, and with this game being so back and forth with this game being as close as I think holding teams to three instead of seven, when you get from the 20, to the end zone is going to be paramount. And I think whoever does that the most in this game is going to win. There's a lot of other factors that will go into that being possible. But at the end of the day, to me, that's going to be the biggest factor of who gets seven, who gets three. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Trevor. I've got one thing I want to kind of drop on you a little bit. It's one of the things I talked about with, uh, with Brett and with Nate Taylor earlier this week on KCS and update is it. I've made jokes before about, you know, Andy Reid in the running game, like he gets a, he's going to run the ball a lot. And that, mm-hmm. that run pass share getting closer to like maybe 40% run is like, holy cow, he's running the ball a lot. You look at the final box score in the last two games against Cincinnati, she's averaging over six yards of carry. Brett spent a lot of time on our show waxing poetic about DJ reader and what he can do in the middle of the Bengals defensive front. Do you feel like, not necessarily thinking they're going to run the ball 25 times and it's going to be old school football that we all grew up watching. Not that that's not what Andy Reid's not going to do. It's not what an offense with Patrick Mahomes under center should do, but for the Bengals run defense and where the chiefs have had success before, do you see that being any kind of a top top three ish type factor for how the chiefs can kind of limit what the Bengals want to do defensively? It comes down to the red zone, Patrick Mahomes making plays, all of that, but specifically about the run versus pass and what the Bengals have struggled with or been really good with, do you see the Chiefs running game being something that when we're talking about this game after the fact, again, not they're going to run for 180 yards, but a factor to either set up the pass or just be maybe a bigger factor than people are talking about because we just spend the whole time talking about Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think that it always is, right? For as much as everybody wants to talk about like how the like how you pass the ball means more to what the final score is in the result. I think that that's true, but also the amount of success that you have passing the ball, running the ball is a factor towards that. And we know that teams are going to want to do that. It goes to, you know, 
taking pressure off of the passing offense. It, it, it forces the defense stay a little bit honest. It continues to get the clock moving. It allows you to pick up easy yards, if you will. So, I mean, like, of course, I think that all of those things go into it. Cincinnati, I'm looking it up right now since you were talking about it. They are actually one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to EPA per rush allowed on defense. They are 24th in the NFL. So no, that would be, so it's the eighth most. So they're top to their bottom 10 in, uh, in EPA per rush allowed. And then I was looking at our run defense grade as well. And they're only 19th. They have a 56.9 <laughs> team run defense grade. So I do think this is going to be a big factor going into it, especially if you can average, you know, anywhere near five yards per carry that just takes. Yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off of the passing offense. And I think that that's, that's how I would look at it. I wouldn't necessarily say that, oh, they're going to win this game on the ground, but that yeah. could be a major determining factor. And what happens is, you know, hey, you're sitting here and it's third and three. Can you hand it off and know that you can move the chains? You know, can you continue to do that? And then all of a sudden you keep the defense guessing a little bit. Then you get in some more third and short situations. They go, ah, they've gashed us a couple of times on the ground. we got to pay a little bit more attention to it. All right, now that opens up the pass. It gets things behind the linebacker level, all that kind of stuff. So it's always, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's always a chess match, no doubt about it. But when you can average more than five yards per carry, there's no doubt that that becomes a factor in how well the offense is going to operate down the stretch, everything the defense has to account for, all that kinds of stuff. So, I mean, you look you at, you look at the Buccaneers, right? And this is just kind of some expertise that I have because I'm, I have to watch the Bucs and their terrible run game every single week. But the Bucs <laughs> run game is so bad where defenses really don't have to worry about it because if they get gashed yeah. once or twice, like it doesn't really matter. They're okay. But that's because it's historically bad. Like it's, it, it is that <laughs> bad. And, and on the flip side, when you, when you're running the ball well and you have confidence in that, it only helps the rest of your offense out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. When, when Brett was talking about DJ reader and the, the chiefs offense, he's like, don't expect power to work. Don't expect a lot of inside outside zone necessarily to work with the cutback lanes and all the stuff they can do. I but mean, he's like counter, but he's like counter is where they've gotten gashed specifically for the Bengals run defense counter is sure. where they've struggled the most. So when you're like these shows for like the diehard chiefs fans, like what specifically can I look for where we just, based on all of the knowledge can find these mismatches where it's like, this could be something that could be really effective for the chiefs. And you talk about Chris Jones playing edge, not just because of the success that he's had there, but that's where the Bengals have struggled with those tackles. And that's setting up a matchup in a, the chess match, you should say, or if you will, that is an advantage for the Chiefs. Same thing with the, mm -hmm. the chiefs running game where it's like running counter and they set up to that weak side. It's like, okay, this could be the counter. This is gash. Yes. We talked about that. The other thing, uh, not to jump around, but the Bengals, and it wasn't unique last year. It was similar to like the old school when Tom Brady was with the Patriots. How do you beat Tom Brady? You dropped eight. You did not blitz him, just like Patrick Mahomes last year. Mm -hmm. Bengals dropping a lot of guys in coverage. Not necessarily the same. We've talked about it all year, the amount of man coverage that they're seeing this year compared to years past. And it seems like Chiefs offense, which is leading the league in yards per game, leading the league in yards per play, and 
points, you know, points per game. They figured it out. They're more well-rounded in a lot of ways, and the numbers back that up, to be able to beat zone, to be able to beat man this year compared to years past. So how does the Bengals' defense attack this group of Chiefs wide receivers and the passing game? Because the blueprint that they used last year that was so successful might not match up as well with this particular group of skill guys for the Chiefs. I will say that the strength of the Chiefs O-line, though, being in that middle, I think definitely helps. And for as much as I do agree, there might be some room for Kansas City to really succeed in, in you know, like counter plays and getting a little bit more towards the tackles and outside the tackles even because I think the running backs operate really well in space. You know, Sam Hubbard's one of the best run defense guys that they have on the team. You know, not just DJ Reader in the middle, but, you know, you, you don't want to be running to Sam Hubbard's side either because he's fantastic yeah. with that. So they're they're – Individually, I think that there is reason to believe that you can still have success in the middle for as much as I want to tip the cap and make sure that I'm respecting reader because he is having a great year. Um, that is still something that the chiefs do really well. Trey Smith's unbelievably powerful, you know, uh, Creed Humphrey's <laughs> one of the best centers in the NFL. Like these guys are still going to be able to get after it. So, um, I am very fascinated to see which one they have more success with. Is it kind of trusting the middle of that? offensive line being able to go straight at them or is it more things that you're designed to get outside a little bit more towards the tackles outside the tackles those things so that's something i'll definitely be monitoring as well it's a good note all right before we let you go i'm gonna surprise you with a couple more things i always do this uh to guess so i'll uh, always elongate the questions give you a little bit of chance to prepare so before i get your prediction chiefs added a couple of guys to the practice squad this year or this past week that have have some NFL experience that have played that we've all heard of. Melvin Gordon being the one a lot talked about with Melvin Gordon. Where does he fit in? Personally, think kind of like maybe that backup to Jarek McKinnon, kind of insurance to that third down back who could get banged up. Doesn't have to learn the entire plethora of an Andy Reid offensive playbook, but he could just focus on third down plays in case McKinnon doesn't come out because Pacheco's that guy. McKinnon mm-hmm. is the third down guy right now. And then Ronald Jones uh, working his way into trying to be that kind of Pacheco gets the first two drives and he sits and then the backup running back gets that third drive before Pacheco goes back in the way that Andy Reid likes to rotate those guys. But the other one is Brandon Williams and Brandon Williams, somebody that I'm very familiar with just because he's played the MIAA played division two football at Missouri Southern uh, loved him coming out of the draft, interviewed him at the senior bowl that year, had a phenomenal like personality, loved talking to him. She's fans might be aware of him. Like, Oh, he's that guy that, you know, played at Missouri Southern, but he is an absolute beast. What are your just high-level thoughts about those two guys and their additions uh, to this Chiefs team? And not saying that Melvin Gordon's going to turn into 2017 Melvin Gordon or Brandon Williams mm-hmm. going to be in his prime, but what could those guys help with down the stretch for the Chiefs in your mind? Experience. That's the number. That's the number one thing. I mean, for as much as we watched the Philadelphia Eagles add Linville Joseph and Dominic and Sue because they were they had a need at interior defensive tackle. They also added two veterans who have been playing this game a very long time. And Mm -hmm. for as much as I I don't know how much they're going to be involved in the game plan right now, but the chiefs also know that there is a chance that guys can get hurt because it can happen at any time, especially at the running back position. Right. And you don't want for one of your guys to get hurt 
either an early down back or the late down back in Jarek McKinnon, and you want to be scram, you don't want to be scrambling in the free right. agent market to try to bring somebody in. Gordon's there as insurance. Yeah, okay, he might get in the game a little bit while these guys are still healthy, but if any of them go down at any point, they want a veteran who's proven, who knows how to do it, who's had success at this level before, who's now already been in their system with their playbook who they can install right away because they know at this point, December and on, every single week is paramount. Wins are paramount for getting that number one overall seed and then especially when you get into the playoffs as well. So to me, both of these signings, more than like, little schematical things of like, Oh, you know, they'll play this guy on third downs or they'll play this guy on early downs or whatever. To me, it's, it's experience. It's just a hundred percent experience. You want somebody who's been around the league, who knows this stuff, who, you know, these guys are getting older, certainly. And they're also going to be all in on winning another Super Bowl. You know, something that I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast had to listen to the Kelsey's podcast where they Mm -hmm. interviewed Patrick Mahomes And part of what really stood out to me to that interview with Mahomes was the part where he was talking about Alex Smith and how helpful Mm -hmm. Alex Smith was to him because Alex Smith simply wanted to win. And he lent him all of his expertise, the things that he knew, the little things that Patrick Mahomes said, I was probably accelerated three years into Mm -hmm. my career just in one season because of what Alex Smith told him. he's like, I would have learned those things eventually anyways, but it probably would have taken me about three years to learn all those things that I learned in like six months because Smith was that helpful. You go get a guy like Melvin Gordon, you go get a guy like Williams. These guys know things. They've seen things. They can teach things. And I think that's what matters yeah. most to you. This shout out to that podcast. I think any Chiefs fan should be listening to that podcast anyway, but particularly, I mean, it was like an hour and 50 minutes. Dude, I mean, they talked awesome. for a really long time and yeah. it was awesome, you know, selfishly for me because I knew a lot of that stuff. I knew some of the things that they were talking about. I was kind of annoyed because I heard they waxed poetic on Patrick Mahomes going into that meeting before the draft uh, and just being up on the board with Andy Reid. And it was like a beautiful mind, just like two guys on the same page and having no idea that Nags just gave him the answers to the gave test. Him the playbook the night before it's beautiful because i've told this story before so i went down to the the senior or radio row that year like i knew they were looking into Mahomes. i knew they liked him a lot but like two months before the draft and they were kind of like hey you know be careful about how we talk about quarterbacks i had asked a couple questions because he'd interviewed Mahomes and he was talking about he knew chris ballard and he was talking to brett veach all the time and it was just like two months before the draft. And I was like, Chris Ballard's the number two. Like they're not sending Chris the number two to like four of this quarterback's games unless they were really looking at this guy. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that, that stood out to me about that with the Alex Smith stuff uh, that you just mentioned was I can remember that training camp and that it was a storyline. It was one of those like, don't cut, overdo it because Alex Smith is our guy. We're all excited about Mahomes, but Alex Smith is our guy that I remember being at training camp in the cafeteria, uh, because training camp is where the business staff, all of us who cover the team, like in the the video crew, like we ate with the players, we were around, we were living in the dorms. And so we were up there kind of living that life too. And I remember seeing Alex kind of bringing Mahomes around and he was exactly right. Mahomes, I can, I will never forget walking by their table and it was just the two of them sitting together right after a practice. Uh, Mahomes had a notebook out and I just walked by and all I heard Alex say was there's so much you can do from bunch inside the red zone. And they started getting into it and Mahomes was just sitting there like taking notes. And this is like in between meetings and like when they could at least turn their brain off, talk about something else for a little bit. And he was just sitting there like taking notes and Alex was just on his free time 
in between meetings while they're eating, sitting there and helping a young quarterback. And this is like the first week of camp. Granted, they had gone through OTAs and mandatory mini camp. They had been around each other. But when he talks about that, like I saw, it's not lips. Like I saw uh, exactly what he was talking about. And that's what was cool to watch that uh, for that reason. But I had no idea that Nags gave him all that test because they were just talking about how great he was uh, in that meeting the whole time. But go cheese fans, go check out that podcast. The whole thing was awesome. Uh, it definitely subscribed as number one podcast in the world, like two months after they, uh, they launched that thing. So they, he and Travis and Jason do a phenomenal job with that, but all right, let's get your prediction again. We're here with pro football focuses, Trevor Sikama, Trevor, I need your prediction for Sunday chiefs Bengals Again, the line right now, Chiefs favored by one and a half with an over under of 52 and a half per our friends over at DraftKings. What are you expecting from this one? You already said the Chiefs were going to win, so I did. trying I did. to get a I, score together. Already, Unless this already, conversation has swayed you away from that for whatever no, reason. No, no, I'm still going Chiefs. I, I go back and forth because on on one hand, I just think that it's two of the best quarterbacks in the world that are going to go at it, and because of that, you're just going to lie at the scoreboard. It doesn't matter who's playing defense. But at the same time, I do respect what both of these defensive coordinators have been doing on that side of the ball, so I don't want to be too disrespectful for my score. I'm going to say 31-28. 31-28, Chiefs win this game. That's what I'll go with. I love to hear it. Uh, better than Brett Coleman said 21-20 Chiefs. And I was like, if the Chiefs only score 21 points, it's going to be brutal. This is going to be brutal for Chiefs fans to watch. I, I think it's like it's the Titans be, game. I think it's going to be 28-24. Bengals are going to be winning. And then Mahomes is going to score a touchdown at the end of the game in either the last drive or the second to last drive to kind of give him some redemption for – I mean, they 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 should have won in Kansas City last time. They had the opportunity yeah. to do it, and they got absolutely stoned near the goal line. So I'm going to say they get a little redemption in that way. It's 28-24. Mahomes got one drive left. He scores a touchdown in it. Uh, and then Cincinnati can't get within field goal range. That's what I'm going to say. It, just the, you know, it's not PTSD, but like whatever it is about this game, the thing that worries me compared to like the Rams game, kind of close there for a while, but like stress-free. For Chiefs, like there's no worry in our mind, but with the Bengals, a close game late, it is not even close to out of the question that one play they score, one deep ball to T. Higgins, cornerback right. falls down, he fifty just mosses it over somebody and runs down for a touchdown. Same way with Jamar Chase. So this is a one score game. They get an opportunity. Uh, not there's not a lot of good quarterbacks the Chiefs have faced already this year, and I get it, but they just we've seen it so much in Jamar Chase and what he and T Higgins have done. I think in those two games combined, those two guys together, 26 receptions, 486 yards in the two games. And like you just brought up, you know, Jamar Chase missed a couple of games, still went over hundred yards. T Higgins going over hundred yards. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be fun to watch. And uh, all the stuff on social media is just added to the intrigue for this one on Sunday. Trevor, man, always appreciate it. Appreciate everybody uh, for listening, spending part of your day with us. We'll have some more content, getting ready for chiefs and Bengals on Sunday, but uh, we appreciate all of you and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.